Any, does anybody remember that video from about a year ago? Uh, 25 million hits. Um, and the reason we kind of jumped, uh, start this series on freedom, because a lot of what he says, is saying in this video, they're really Paul's words in, in the book of Galatians. And uh, how, how about that picture right there? Doesn't that make you feel like summer? Don't you want to walk down that dock? That, that makes me feel free. I just dangle my feet in that ocean. And I just want to tell you, I want to clarify, the first series after Pastor Jeffrey's here, the, the title being Freedom, has nothing to do, <laughs> that was not a whole staff getting together and saying, yes, we have decided to have a beach office day next week, uh, and we have shorts day on Friday, I don't know what that's about, but it, it's funny though, I have, it's when he got elected to yes, there was a song that just ran through my mind. Some of you, maybe, it's an older song. It was, uh, uh, I wish we'd all been ready. Does anybody remember that song? A man and wife asleep in bed. It's real. I think uh, DC Talk redid it a couple years ago. I wish we'd all been ready. I can't sing, obviously. But uh, I wish we'd all been, it was about the rapture. I don't know why that's been in my mind. It's kind of scary. And the other thought that's come into my mind has been a, a scene from the Three Amigos. And it's a scene when the little boy comes up to Chevy Chase and says, can I have your watch when you are dead? <laughs> and I don't know why those things are in my mind. That just gives you a picture into who I am, all right? But we're in this series, uh, and it's on freedom, and it's all going to be about the book of Galatians. And we're going to walk through Galatians, and so I invite you in your, in your time, in your reading, uh, in your personal time, to, to dive into Galatians as we walk through it every week. Now, we have a special, we have a special treat this morning, okay? Now, I don't know if you can, I'm going to kind of get a low-profile vo- voice here, okay? I think uh, she's... We have a, an, an artist, a, a pianist, that's going to come and she's going to play. She, her name's Julia. Okay, she's, I think she's 10 years old. All right, now here's what I want us to do. She's kind of thinking, contemplating about maybe not playing piano. It's kind of that make or break moment. Okay, so I've asked her to come and she's going to play a piece on the piano. All right, now whatever happens, I want you guys to go nuts. Okay, she can't hear us. I want you to clap as hard as you can. In fact, why don't we give her a standing ovation? Can we do that together? Are we all in on this? Okay, here she comes. Julia, thank you so much for coming to play today. Yeah. I'm going to take your hand there, and we're going to come up. Yep. All right. Now, I've, I've asked, guys, I've asked Julia to play a piece for us, and uh, Julia, it's all yours. Julia, 
Hey, Julia, before you go, I just want to, just, just me, I know nothing about music. That sounded perfect. I, I think, actually, you should keep on playing piano, because I think you're pretty good at it. You can head on back to the ch kids' church. Thanks, Julia. Man, don't you, don't you, gonna let her head out. Anybody play the piano? Any instruments? Okay, she's gone. All right, wasn't that awesome? <laughs> Whew. I was, were you nervous for her? I was a little nervous. You guys are great. I guarantee that she's going to remember that. Have you ever gotten applause before? Have you gotten like that kind of encouragement before? I mean, people remember that stuff. It's, it's almost addictive when you feel applause, when you get that, you know, when, you're, when you feel that moment, that encouragement. And some of us have grown up with applause most of our life. We've had that encouragement maybe from our parents maybe from people around us, but we, we seek after it. We want it, even when we're, when we're young and as we, as we grow older. Can you remember, I want you to go back to the time machine. Graduates, this is, is, might be great for you. Can you think of anything that you've ever done? You're, you're trying to seek the approval of other people. You're trying to get that applause. Have you ever done anything ridiculous to try to get that approval? For me, it happened in various forms. One of those was in, in my, with my hair. Uh, it was very cool. This is not an actual picture, I want to tell you. In Alabama, uh, my sister can attest to this. She's here today. The rat tail was popular. Did anybody else have a rat tail? Anybody else have a rat tail? You can, it's okay. Right there, thank you. We got a confession right there. Awesome. All right, Amy. Amy Carr had a rat tail. We'll talk after church about that one. Um, the rat Everybody in class had a rat tail in Alabama. I don't know why, but they did. I went home. Mom, I have, you have to have a what? You have to grow Okay, whatever. And I think I have a curse now because my son has this little thing that just grows in the back. Something else that was very popular that I... I hate to admit this, the silk shirt was popular. Remember that phase for guys? I had a purple one. I'm not lying to you. A purple silk, that is not a woman's piece of clothing right there. That's a man's shirt, okay? The, I want you to think about the most embarrassing thing that you've ever done to get the approval of other people. Maybe it's something you've worn or said. Think about it. I want you to share that with your neighbor right now. Go. I would love, love to hear about some of these. But, but when you're younger, let's be honest. I mean, we've done some pretty silly things. We've worn some pretty silly things. We have said, I cannot believe that I said that. I can't believe that I did that. One of the, the, most, the, hor the worst scenes that I've ever encountered, maybe in my, in my entire youth ministry career, happened, or ministry, happened at camp one year. And it was one night at camp. They have these game nights sometimes, and they're just silly games that, that kids play, and they're trying to give away prizes and get kids excited. And there was a game that involved bananas. And what they did was they promised this big prize, and they, they took three guy volunteers from the audience. They came on up. And I'm sitting in the back. The place is packed. We're in Florida camp, and the room probably fits about 200 uh, with the capacity, and there are about 400 people packed into this room. So it's hot. It's just we're packed in there. And the kids are just, they're excited, they're, they're doing, playing these games, and since it's been a great week, they, they take these volunteers up here, and then they blindfold them. There's three volunteers, I remember like yesterday, they're, they're right here, and they're sitting down. And they tell them, we're going to have a, a, a banana eating contest, okay? The person that can eat the most bananas will win whatever the prize was. 
So uh, I, I was kind of observing at this point. I was a little nervous, but uh, here are these bananas. And so they get the crowd all stirred up. Who do you think is going to win? This person, this person, this person. And they're, they're going, they're clapping and they're yelling and they're screaming. Well, they start this countdown. The leader does that nice. Ten, nine. Well, as he's counting down, he taps the person on the right and on the left. And he tells them to take your blindfold off and to go into the crowd. And it's at that moment that I am like, no, this is, this is wrong. Because I'm going to be honest with you, too, that the kid that was sitting right here, it was a bigger kid. And so here's one kid sitting in, and they just pushed all the bananas toward the middle. And I felt like it was like a slow motion scene. I was like, stop. And they, three, two, one. And this kid, bless his heart, he just digs in. And he's got banana all over his face and his shirt and his and the whole place, they're, they're clapping, and they're screaming, go, go, eat, 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 go. And he, I don't know how many dusted off, but they, they finally finished. Someone stopped it. And he takes his blindfold off, and he looks to his right and to his left, and he goes, just the look on his face. It was horrible. It was horrible. It just pain and the, the, the feeling of like just emptiness and really being alone you know we we chase applause and i'd like to say that it stops at graduation but it doesn't you know as we get older it just changes a little different and, and it looks differently and, and we mask it a little better well if i just have this or i've just had that or maybe this and we're seeking after from maybe it's a search for love, maybe it's for laughs, maybe it's, I don't know what it is. That's the scene here in Galatians. That's the scene where Paul is writing. And he's writing to the people uh, of Galatia. And remember letters, remember those things that you used to put in the mail? They used to cost very little, but now it costs like an Outback special to send out a letter. But what Paul knows is, is that he's, he's writing to these people, the, the, the Gentile converts. He's gone to Galatia, and these people have given their lives to the Lord, the Gentiles. And, and this is where we find uh, our story this morning. So if you have your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 1. And that's where our story in the, this letter begins. Here's what it says. You can, you can find it on, your screen as, on the screen as you're finding your Bible. This letter is from Paul. An apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. We've sung about that all morning. And the brothers and sisters were here. They, they joined me in sending this letter to the church, churches of Galatia. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Just Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Now, Paul, when he is writing these letters throughout the, the New Testament, there, there's kind of this standard format. He, he basically says who it's from. It's from Paul. It says who it's going to. It's going to the churches in Galatia. And what they would do is they would read the letters out loud. And these people, these are Gentiles. These are outsiders. You know, we have the Jewish people, God's chosen people. And the Gentiles are those who have been on the outside. They don't sit at the cool table. 
They have not been a part of this covenant relationship. And now, because of what Jesus has done, they're a part of it. And Paul, he went out to Galatia and, and started the church revolution there. And, and that's who he's speaking to, these, these, these Christian converts that were they're Gentile Christians now. And it's, it's a great place. And that's the, kind of the format of the letter. I'm Paul, writing to the church, and then we read on to verse 6. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God. Now, Paul, usually, if you're familiar with his letters, he gives like a thanksgiving. It's very, I would say, very southern. If you're from the south, you're like, how you doing? My name is, and they you give like kind of this greeting, a lot of kind of fluff. And uh, so there's a little bit of fluff in all the letters. Great to see you, glad that things are going well. I've heard great things about but he doesn't do that here. There's no thanksgiving. There's just straight into, I am shocked. I'm, I am flabbergasted that you have, you're turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the content. The Gentiles, they've just become Christians. But there is a group of people that have come into the area. Some would call them Judaizers. Some would call them Jewish Christians. And they're basically people that claiming to believe in Jesus, but they were holding on to the law. To really be a Christian, to, to, to go to heaven, you have to continue to obey the law. You remember the law, those 600, I think, and 13 things that were laid out there between, between uh, God and, and, the, and the people of Israel? It's like, if you're, if you're going to go to heaven, if you're, if you're going to go, then you have to obey all these laws. And the big one they were pushing was, was circumcised. You have to be circumcised or you, you can't be a, a real Christian. And what was happening here is the Gentiles, they were listening. They were listening and slowly beginning to kind of turn away. And that's, that's where Paul's writing here and he's saying, I, I'm shocked that you're turning away from God so soon who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news or in some Bibles it says the gospel. It pretends to be the gospel, but it's no gospel at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said here. If anyone preaches any good news, then, then the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. And so here's this scene where these, these influencers are coming in, they're trying to, to break these Gentile Christians. And, and, and they, they're, they're basically trying to confuse them. And, and Paul says, you're following a good news, a gospel that's not good news at all. The gospel of Jesus Christ is different. And I, and I gotta tell you, I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase gospel before, good news. That's the foundation of who we are. That's the foundation of faith as a Christian. As our community, this church, and as Christians, that's who we are, is the gospel, the good news. And I, before we go any further in Galatians, I think we just need to all be on the same page with what this, this gospel is all about. Okay, the gospel is about this. First of all, I've got to tell you, there's bad news and there's good news. Which one do you want first, the bad news or the good news? The bad? Which, which kind of, you are a bad news person or a good news person? Let's go with the bad news, all right? Here's the bad news, all right? The bad news is this. First of all, no one is perfect, okay? Can we, I think that's a pretty universal truth. There's no one in here that's perfect. I'm looking around the room, and there are a lot of people that I respect a lot, some really nice, but there's no one in here that's perfect. 
No one. Every single person in this room has sinned, even the best of us, all right? So none of us has kept all the commandments. None of us is, 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 every single one of us has done that. I mean, Jesus said in his, his word that it's not only adultery just to, to, look, to, to have sex with a woman, but it's also to, to, to have lust in your heart, in your mind. Well, that just eliminates every guy in the room then, all right? Let's be honest. And if you say it doesn't, that's, you're still lying onto the pile of sins as well, okay? Right? Every person in this room has sinned. All right? We have sins. There's no one that's perfect. All right? And sin, it pollutes our hearts. And it pollutes our life. And the effects of sin, they're devastating. They wreck homes. They wreck, they wreck families. They, they wreck minds. They wreck marriages. They wreck churches. They wreck so many different things. That's what sin does to our heart. So none of us is perfect. And here's the thing about sin. It, it doesn't just make you bad. It makes you dead. You're dead. I mean, when we sin, it separates us from God. I mean, there's a passage in, in, in Ephesians. It's pretty powerful. And, and here it is. Once you were dead because of your disobedience. You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers and the, and the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desire and inclinations of our sinful nature. So we're dead. We've sinned. We're dead. Thanks for the good news this morning, Pastor. We're, we're sinned. We're dead. And here's the third bad thing for bad news. There's nothing that you can do about it. You can't bring yourself back to life. You can't do it. It's not possible. Just like you didn't give yourself life, your parents, that's their, they're 100% responsible for you being alive today. Your parents are. If you need to know how that works, you can talk to our, par- our, our, our care pastor after church today. But you, they are totally responsible for that. You had nothing to do with it, okay? And you cannot, you cannot bring yourself back to life again. You can't do it. My brother-in-law, he is in health education sales, okay? And uh, he knows different stats about hospitals and things. And he actually works specifically with those. Have you ever seen those dummies that you can practice CBR on? He sells those, and they're pretty amazing, too. Let me just throw out a little stat that he told me the other day. If you code in a hospital, cardiac arrest, okay, you want to guess on what the percentage is that they, uh, just national percentage that uh, you can be brought back to life. Any guesses? Can we hear you? 25, 10? 12, did I hear it over here? 12%. There's a 12% chance if you code in a hospital what if we're, right now, bam, I just have a heart attack and I code. He, he actually told me this the other day. He was like, I just want to tell you, if that ever happens, I want your last word to be Jonathan. Because these, apparently these dummies, these CPR dummies, they increase at hospitals a huge percent of the, the life-saving ability, all right? Just throwing it out there. If anybody works in a hospital, name's, his name's Jonathan. He'll be in the back after the uh, service today, all right? But you can't bring yourself back to life, right? Let, let. Let's think about it this way, okay? Um, I got a lot of, we see a lot of athletes in the room, and so I think that some of you guys, I need just a little help. Casey, if you'll come up here. How many do you think, if you, if you just would stand right here, that would be awesome. How many do you think, if you got a running start, we move this piano, or keyboard, and how many think you could jump all the way to Casey? Mm, show of hands, how many think you can do that this morning? 
No, only like five people in the room can do that. Can, any, can anybody jump this far? Show your hands. All right, thank you. Very good. All right, let's, Katie, you mind coming up? Can you stand about two feet behind her there? That would be awesome. Thank you. A little, a little closer. We're not very ambitious this morning. All right, right there. Okay. How many think you could actually jump as far as Katie this morning? If you had a running start off the stage, some of you are like, you're already starting to stretch. You're like, I think I could do that. All right, okay. Yeah, we're getting there. All right. Uh, Jolie, why don't you come on up? The, the first, if you would just stand in the first row there. Just, yep, that's right there. All right, now how many guys could say, all right, if I had a running start, if I used like the thigh master for a couple of weeks or those rubber bands, you could jump from the edge of this stage all the way to Jolie car. How? Oh, yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Some track people in the room. All right, Taylor, Taylor do you mind just standing? Let, let's go right there. How about right there? Anybody in the room able to st- jump that far? <laughs> I got a one or two. Oh, yeah, I mean, I ran track in high school. Yeah, yeah. That's a long way. Now, Casey, if you can do me a favor, there is a, if you go all the way back, if you look on the road, there's, there's a piece of, of tape that's right there. One, two, three, four, five, six. I think six rows. Keep going. And right, right back. There's one there. All right, so, so wave your hand right there. You, Case, right there. Awesome. All right, how many say, okay, is it possible? If I got to run and start, plenty of room, maybe even... Could anybody in this room go that far? Ah, uh, pretty hard. Katie, one more step back. There's one more, one more sticker back there. If you don't mind standing there, do you think there's anybody in the world that could go that far? Where Katie's at? Huh? That I just want to tell you, where Casey's standing, that's that's the women's, that's the women's long jump record all time, right? Now where Katie, where that's where Casey is. Where Katie is standing, that's the men's long jump, 29 feet, all right? A human being without a platform, he jumped from here, just off the ground, that far. That's amazing. Any, any guesses on the name? Mike Powell. I heard it back there. Mike Powell, that's right. Uh, now, here's my last question. What if I asked you this morning, if you got a running start, okay? And I don't know the directions very well. If I said, okay, if you got a running start, could you jump, could anyone jump, from here to New Jersey. <laughs> now, okay, now the first one, all right, you could fall off the stage and go that far. Now, there's some of you are like, okay, you know, I know Mike Powell back in the day. You know what, if I really, if I worked out, I, maybe I could, maybe the women's world record, I don't, but there, there was something that happened there. You were like, you're crazy. You're like going to crazy la-la land. There is no way New Jersey, I mean, who wants to go to New Jersey anyway, but <laughs> New Jersey? No, that's ridiculous. Can you, can you give it up for these, these young people that are... Here, here's the truth, guys. Just as impossible it is for me to jump from this point to New Jersey, and it's probably actually that way, I don't know, but that's the same impossibility as, as you... You getting to God. You can't do it. You've sinned. I've sinned. No one is perfect. And you can't work your way to God. I don't care what you do. I don't care about what good works that you do. You could be a great person. You could go to church all your life. 
but you can't get to God just like I can't bring or no one could bring themselves back to life. We are in need of a Savior. We are in need of someone to do that, that amazing work for us. And that's what Jesus does. He jumps from New Jersey to us. He comes to us. Now, does he live in New Jersey? No. All right. <laughs> Jesus comes to us, and that is the good news, that he, he jumps the gulf, that separation that sin has, has brought into our lives. And let's keep on reading that Ephesians passage. And it says this, in Ephesians, you... And just kind of pick out these words. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way, following these passionate desires and, and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But here's the good news. Here's the good news, guys. You've heard the bad news. You're a sinner. You're se it separated you from God. You can't do anything about it. You can't bring yourself back to life. But here's the good news. But God is so rich in mercy. God, he loved you so much that even though we were dead, you were dead spiritually. Because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of this incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all that he has done for us, who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by what? His grace. When you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. That's good news. That's great news, folks. You can't work for it. You, you can't do it. And back in the day, there were these laws, these things that you said, you know what, if, if you do this and you do that and you do this, then you can earn your way. And, and basically, you know what, every religion in the world says that. If you do this, this, and this, and this, then maybe at the end of your life, good Lord will open the pearly gates and you'll get there. Let me tell you, it's not going to work. You are in need of, your, of a Savior. We are in need of God's grace. And we honestly, we need it on a daily basis. We need to lean on that on a, on a daily basis, basis. That is the good news. And that's why Paul is so upset. He's like, don't go back to that. You can't earn that. You can't go to this works kind of life. It's about God's grace. And we have to, and we have to live that. And so he goes on in the book of Galatians in this first chapter. And what he says is this, is, I'm not trying to win the approval of men or of God. Or of God. I am, trying to, am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God. It's not about pleasing man. It's not about pleasing others and trying to look like a good person. We can't do it. And then he goes on and he begins to tell his story. He tells a story about how he was the best of the best when it comes to, to Jewish uh, faith. 
in the Jewish religion. He kept all the rules. He was the kid that was always at church. He was probably the kid that wore the tie to church uh, on Sundays. He, 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 he followed everything. He was there Wednesday night, Sunday, Sunday night, all the time. He was there. He was the best of the best, but that is not good enough because there's nothing that we can do to earn it. It's only because God's grace, he, on one day on the road to Damascus, that God intervened in his life and revealed himself to him, and it changed his life forever. So he tells his story to the people. Now, I don't know what your story is. I don't know how God has intervened into to your life. Now, as I, I first read this passage, the first time I read it, I, I thought, I think, kind of Paul's, I think Paul's kind of upset. He's upset maybe because he's trying to defend himself. But the truth is, I think what's happening here is, I think Paul is, he's kind of like a parent. He's invested his life in, in these, these churches. And he's preached the gospel. And there was a time when, when they, were, they were going the right direction. And now things are differently, are, are going different. And I don't know, as a parent, I don't know if you know what this feeling is. It's that feeling of like, your, your kid's going, you know they're going the wrong direction. And you want to do anything you can to stop them. And, and so you begin to say, listen. I've been that way before. I've gone that direction before, and it is leading you the wrong way. It's leading you down a bad path. And I know what the end of that road is. It's only going to lead to hurt, and it's only going to lead to resentment, and it's only going to lead to the emptiness. As I also I think about this passage, I think about being a youth pastor. And uh, I've been a youth pastor now for 12 years. The thing about uh, being a youth pastor in the Facebook generation is that you get to see a lot of things, and it's a, it's a great thing. You get to communicate with kids a little better. You get to see into their lives, and uh, Facebook brings a lot of joy, or social media, but there's a lot of heartache as well because I've seen kids that at one time or another, they were on fire for God. I remember moments at camp that kids gave their life to the Lord, and now I see other things happen, and, and, and it breaks my heart. I don't know if you've ever had that helpless feeling before. I was in a service one time, and uh, suddenly a student's face just came to mind, and uh, I, I couldn't get her, her, her face off my mind because I remember the night that she gave her life to the Lord. She came down to an altar at camp. And uh, she prayed a prayer of salvation. And it was even that night she began to talk about how she felt a call to missions. She was going to go out and she was going to, to tell the world about, the, about Jesus and to go to, to foreign lands. And she was just, her heart burned for Jesus. And she graduated from high school. And she moved to Orlando, went to a school there. She started hanging out with a, a certain group of people. And they began to, to influence her in different ways. She got a boyfriend. And the boyfriend, uh, she, he told her whatever she wanted to hear to feel that love. And he would applaud her. And he would encourage her. And he influenced her as well. And I got to tell you, there are things that just being close to her family, I know that she's taking these massive steps away from the Lord. And she doesn't go to church anymore. And she, 
she doesn't worship him or talk about him. And it breaks my heart. And I think that's the content or the context of what Paul's writing to the Galatians. I remember when you gave your life to the Lord. I remember when you understood fully what God's grace was about. When you said, I'm a sinner. I need you, God. I need you. I give my life to you. Please forgive me. And you started to live for him. And things are differently now. Or your life looks different. And things have changed. So I was in that service. And her face just came to my mind. And I had to get out of there. I nearly ran out of the building. And I called her. And, I, and the small talk was really small. It just was, hey, how are you doing? I, I got to tell you something. And I honestly just began to plead with her. Turn around. Stop. You're going away that's it's, it's going to lead to your, your destruction. And I don't even remember the words that I used, but I did everything that I could. And that's what I hear from Paul. He's telling a story. He's like, please, don't do this. Remember God's grace in your life. Now, I don't know if you know someone like that today. Heart's broken. This morning, as, as, as we, we wrap up this morning, as we hear these words from Paul, and we think about this world that we live in, and I got to tell you, we live in a world It's sort of like that. They follow the applause of man and whatever's popular, whatever is being influenced. And, and the, the religion of the day is, you know what, if you're a good person, if you were a good person, then guess what? At the end of the day, you're going to go to heaven because you're, you're better than most. I mean, I didn't, I didn't kill anybody, right? But, but that's not the truth. The truth is we're all bad. We're all in need of a Savior. We are all in need of God's grace. And that's what Paul reminds the people of today. So today can be a day of salvation for you. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Let me ask, ask you this question. Today, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard any of this stuff, this gospel, this good news stuff. And you would say, man, I admit it. I'm not a perfect person. And my heart has been dead. And I, the Lord has been speaking to me this morning. You would say, I want to give my life to Jesus. For the very first time, I want to say, God, Lord, come into my heart and my life today. If that's you this morning, if you just would look up to me, let's make eye contact with me. We can pray right now. God, Lord, you, you know the hearts of man. Lord, today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of grace. Lord, you know our hearts. Lord, you know the hearts of those who, who looked up. And God, I pray right now, Lord, that as, as these people are praying, God, that, Lord, they would be reminded today that all we have to do is have faith in you. We were once dead, but we were made alive when we believe and have faith in you because of what you've done on the cross. So you can pray this prayer, Lord, I am a sinner. <laughs> I've messed up. Please forgive me. God, come into my heart and my life. You can pray that right at your seat. 
And God's grace will meet you right where you are. And you can begin a relationship with God right now. Or maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I've taken some big steps away from God. There was a time I remember God's grace and I was on fire for Him, but things are different now. Maybe I've been listening to the wrong people. Maybe I've kind of gone in another direction. But God has spoken to me today and I want to turn around. If that's you today, just slip your hand up. Let's pray. God, I pray for renewal. Lord, I pray for that we would turn, there were those who would turn back to you, God. And Lord, I pray that, that we, they'd begin to take steps for growing closer to you, God, and remembering your grace, not just today, but every day, Lord. God, I pray that we would tell a story of grace, that we would be a people of grace, that we would be a church of grace, that we'd be all about you, Jesus. God, that we wouldn't be a people that are so focused on, on rules, but on your love and your mercy, Lord, and we would extend that out every single day. Lord, we pray that, Lord, with all of our hearts today, God. Let us be your people of grace. And praise things in your name. And everyone said, there's a classic song. It's an awesome song. It talks about this amazing grace. It talks about what Jesus has done for us. Let's stand and worship and praise our God for what he has done.